welcome to the Petco Podcast. In this series, we'll be speaking with key industry experts to gain their insight into the latest trends for petroleum coke markets around the world. I'm Lauren Masterson, editor of the Energy Argus Petroleum Coke Report. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the U.S. pet coke supply picture. My guest is Hayden Atkins, senior consultant for Argus. The Pet Coke podcast is brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. So let's get started. Hi, Hayden. Good speaking with you today. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for having me. The big story recently is the lack of spot supply in the market pushing up prices. What's your view on how supply actually looks at the moment and what's driving this? So there's two things to unpack in terms of supply and availability. The first is production or what's coming out of a cocoa at the moment. And if we look at the second quarter of this year, it looks like coke output was down roughly 6% year on year across the US. There was a lot of regional differentiation and we are comparing this to a relatively weak period last year when maintenance was particularly high. But in the context of you know, a very dramatic collapse in refinery utilization and falls in transportation fuels demand, it doesn't look like coke output has really been particularly weak. The second is the level of inventory available, and that looks like it's been dropping all year. So inventory was starting to come down fairly quickly, even before the COVID-19 crisis, really because of very strong shipments to India on the back of wheat pricing that we saw at the end of 2019. More recently, demand for China has remained pretty strong as tariffs have been removed and domestic coal prices in China have been much higher than seaborne market benchmarks. So that looks like it's pushed down inventory levels uh, even further. So as we sit here today looking through the third quarter, it looks like uh, supply and availability is is pretty tight. You know, we have inventories at low levels. It doesn't look like they're going to be rebuilding particularly quickly. And, you know, while refinery utilisation is starting to improve, coca economics don't look as compelling, you know, as they were just a few months ago. So it doesn't really look like we're going to be shifting the supply picture particularly quickly, you know, over the next quarter or so. Now, even though demand from some of those, you know, important price sensitive regions like India has fallen away sort of fairly sharply as prices have become strong compared to, to thermal coal prices. Okay, so you don't see it returning quickly. How long do you think it will take for supply to begin returning to normal, or I guess we should say the new normal? In terms of transportation fuels demand and refinery utilization as a whole, it does look like we're past the worst of the downturn in terms of the the strictest levels of economic lockdowns uh, across the US. But we are sort of reaching this threshold in terms of economic activity that's sort of getting increasingly more difficult to to uh, leap over as COVID-19 continues to spread and be a problem in a lot of parts of the country. So until we sort of get past that, you know, perhaps into 2021, you know, we're probably going to remain sort of substantially below the pre-COVID-19 trend, say until the least, uh, until the middle of, of 2021. I think for complex refineries, though, particularly in the US Gulf Coast, they're, they're very competitive, both domestically and in international markets. And they're really flexible to market changes in terms of shifts in demand conditions, and also to changes in, in crude and product spreads. 
So we're probably closer to, say, a new normal for, for those refineries at the moment. I think in terms of pet coke output, you know, cocoa utilisation is sort of constantly being affected by shifting crude and product spreads and even small changes in product demand. So, you know, perhaps things, you know, won't be as consistent in terms of output flow as they were a couple of years ago. But I think changing supply dynamics is sort of nothing new to the industry in terms of, you know, how quickly refineries adjust their, their crude and product splits, uh, slates and, you know, how that ultimately affects pet coke output. Yeah, so on the topic of crude spreads, we've seen some U.S. refiners like Valero coming out and saying they expect to process more sour crude as differentials start to widen back out or they expect them to. Do you see this happening and what do you predict for changing coke quality in the U.S. as a result? So it's Argus Consulting's view as well that, you know, we should see some widening in uh, sour crude differentials uh, and you know, other heavy feedstocks heading into the end of this year. Um, and you know, when that does occur, it'll probably partly mean higher coca utilization. So you know, that'll be part of the, the process of, of boosting pet coca output, you know, perhaps you know, closer towards the, the end of this year. And it'll probably have more of a volume effect than uh, effect on quality. So yeah, there may be some uh, increase in sort of the average sulfur contents of 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 pet coke from the U.S. Gulf Coast, but you know we're sort of not expecting anything particularly dramatic uh, on the quality front. But I think you know that the perhaps the more important implication in the near term is you know they're talking about processing more sour crudes in the future. You know when spreads widen, but you know if we look at the immediate future, um, you know the narrow spreads uh, are implying that. Um, you know, there's sort of a significant headwind to, to pet coke output uh, in the near term. So, um, you know, it's just another one of those indicators that suggests that, you know, output will be soft, uh, you know, over the next quarter or so, um, you know, even as the demand for pet coke has picked up from, you know, a couple of key countries, you know, in Latin America and Europe. So besides just crude slates, uh, some refiners have been processing high sulfur fuel oil following the implementation of the MARPOL 6 rules, correct? Has this had any effect on U.S. coke supply as far as you can tell? Yeah, so the pretty substantial increase in fuel oil imports for better processing in cokers is one of those factors which contributed to you know, strong coke output before uh, the COVID-19 problems hit the refinery sector and has pr probably contributed to um, reasonable uh, output, you know, over the last quarter uh, as well. So if we do look at um, EIA numbers, the fall in pet coke output is more moderate than the decline in coca throughput. So it does suggest that the yield of, of pet coke um, you know, coming out of cokers, given what's going going into them, has has increased this year uh, compared to to this time last year. Um, I guess you know the the economics again of that are, are much less compelling, given that that the discount for high sulfur fuel oil is is so narrow at the moment. So if if this uh, product isn't going into cokers, it's sort of less clear where it's going to end up um, over the over the next 
you know, six months or so too. So to some degree, if, you know, US Gulf Coast refiners are pulling back from that market, you know, there should be some correction in those flows, you know, probably towards the end of the year. Um, and, you know, prices should probably drop relative to everything else. Let's talk specifically about US West Coast supply. This seems to be the most affected market by supply cuts. We've just had Marathon announce they won't restart Martinez, and we still have the Richmond, California ordinance against the Coke terminal there that could affect Rodeo. Do you think that we've seen the last of the supply reductions out there, and how is this going to affect low sulfur Coke consumers? Yeah, so refineries on the West Coast, uh, you know, generally the some of the least competitive um, within the US and are sort of more captive to that domestic market than, than the US Gulf Coast in terms of transportation fuel demand. And refinery utilisation has been much slower to recover um, on the West Coast than it has uh, elsewhere in, in the US. So um, from, you know, kind of from that perspective, I, I guess we can't rule out uh, further sort of meaningful changes to um, how some refineries, you know, might be utilised or, or, or set up. And, you know, that may affect, um, you know, how cokers at some of these refineries will be used going forward without, you know, sort of any specific uh, examples of, you know, where it might be affected. Um, I, I guess, though, you know, the fact that Martinez is now sort of indefinitely idled and very unlikely to to, to uh, come back, it sort of does improve the the outlook for for you know those that that remain, um, and you know transportation fuels demand while you know recovering more slowly than elsewhere you know should um, you know continue to improve over the next coming quarters. So to some degree, we should see you know pick output you know pick up from you know the absolute idea that you know we saw through that April and and May period. Um, but ultimately, sort of the availability of low sulfur shock coke is is going to be permanently lower than than it once was. So, um, you know, some of the more marginal consumers of that product, uh, you know, may ultimately be priced out um, and switch to to an alternative in, you know, say using higher sulfur coke or or coal, you know, if they can. Um, given the, the demand profile from, from some of the other consumers. So one other aspect of pet coke supply that's important to keep in mind is, is how it's transported. Um, Louisiana just signed a deal with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to deepen the lower Mississippi River from Baton Rouge to the Gulf of Mexico, which would allow these ports to load larger Panamax vessels. Do you think this could have any impact on the pet coke market? Yeah, I think it will be um, a competitive advantage uh, for those refineries uh, on the Mississippi in terms of competing into sort of long haul markets like India, um, where, you know, small changes in transportation costs, you know, can add up to a, a pr pretty significant um, competitive advantage, say, against uh, refineries in uh, Port of Houston or, you know, elsewhere in the Gulf. So, um, it probably won't drastically affect their net back pricing sort of outlook as a whole, because uh, we're sort of only partially shifting um, the ability to to use Panamax vessels, you know, rather than you know changing it 
the the structure of the market overall. But um, to the degree that it'll um, provide a, a competitive advantage to uh, some refineries, I think is uh, you know a positive for, for them uh, in terms of you know reducing logistics costs. Okay, so lastly, you've recently come out with a multi-client study looking at regional market balances and longer-term price forecasts. Can you tell us a little bit about what that covers? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, things are obviously very uncertain uh, at the moment, you know, just in the immediate term, um, let alone uh, over the next five years or so. But, you know, ultimately to, to make decisions, you kind of need to take a view. And, you know, we've taken a view on what we think demand and supply and trade balances um, across the world uh, are going to look like over the next five years and, and you know, what we think that will mean for prices for both fuel grade and, and anode grade pet code. Um, and, you know, even though there is all this focus on, you know, very near-term uh, trajectories of, of uh, economies, you know, grappling with with the with the pandemic, we we shouldn't really lose sight of some of the bigger picture trends that are going to shape these markets. You know, once we're sort of past um, this uh, uh, COVID nineteen pandemic problem, you know, which will hopefully be be sooner rather than later. Um, and you know, we've also taken a view on uh, you know how Petco is is going to be affected by significant changes in adjacent markets like. Uh, thermal coal and, and aluminium markets as well. So if, if anyone is interested in any more uh, details on, on this study, you know, feel free to, to contact me. Probably the best way is via email. And uh, I'm at hayden.atkins at argusmedia.com. Okay, thanks a lot, Hayden. You've given us a lot to think about. And thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for the other episodes in our series, The Pet Coke Podcast. For more information on Argus Petroleum Coke coverage, please visit argusmedia.com.